This is Alan Appel, and you are listening to This Day in New Haven History on WNHH 103.5 FM and streaming live at newhavenindependent.org, community radio in the Elm City. Welcome and thank you for joining me on this October 4. I'm here in the time travel machine with regular co-pilot, uh, Jason Bischoff-Wurzel from the New Haven Museum. Hi, Jason. Hi, Alan. So, Jason, you are focusing on the wonderful year of 1908. Uh, this week, you have brought in uh, stuff to prepare us for um, how Halloween was being prepared for in 1908. Yes. So tell us what, what it is. It's actually about uh, pumpkins, it seems, and um, how you light them, as well as how, I don't know, how we light the streets of New Haven in 1908. Yes, exactly. So falls here, uh, and uh, the the nights are growing colder and darker. And uh, these two pieces are about uh, lanterns of sorts and uh, artificial light in uh, 1908. And the first begins with a little tale about the popular Jack O lanterns. Mm. The ripening of the pumpkins in the fields is being taken advantage of by the small boys to make the popular jack-o'-lanterns. Nearly every evening now, the youngsters may be seen in the street with some sort of grotesque lantern, usually a pumpkin with a face cut on one side and a candle placed in the center. Now that isn't an art history review. To call it grotesque doesn't mean it's ugly. It just is referring, I think, in 1908 to the kind of... Um, gnarled face that people try to <laughs> yes. create, right? Grotesque. Yes, yes exactly. Uh, which, again, they mentioned here, the candle had been placed in the center, which had been dug out. The popularity of the jack-o'-lantern will continue until after festivities of Halloween, which does not come until the last day of October. Many of the youngsters are quite proficient in art and carve out some very credible faces on the surface of the pumpkin. Paper imitations of the lanterns are sold in stores at a low price, but the real live boy prefers the genuine article made out of a pumpkin, oftentimes a stolen pumpkin. Now, there is a cheap hit on the children of New Haven back in 1908. (laughs) Stealing pumpkins. So you can make the jack-o'-lantern. But also, it's just the idea, the idea here that um, thinking about, and we've, we've talked about this at different times, the evolution of holidays uh, and sort of popular uh, events in American culture. And at this point, Halloween uh, and the idea of what we consider Halloween today with kids walking around and you get your candy and well, that isn't costumes. mentioned, is it? That isn't no, because mentioned. it's all evolving at this point. It's all starting to come together to that point. You mean and if they steal pumpkins, the next thing they'll be doing is like stealing, stealing your candy, stealing candy, <laughs> yeah. or tricking or treating. You know, no, that is interesting. Yeah. That maybe the candy, the, the candy routine, was a result of um, I don't know candy manufacturers marketing the idea after 1908. Yes. Yes. Do you and know what, that? And what's more interesting, too, is just this idea. Okay, we park our jack-o'-lanterns on our porch. These are kids walking around on any given night in October with the actual jack-o'-lantern in your hand. What were they doing with it? 
No, they're using it as an actual lantern. Oh, just lighting their way. Yeah. That's right, because right underneath it, um, there's another piece that we'll get to in a moment about, um, I don't know, about the street lighting, which perhaps was so dull that it required people to walk around with lanterns. I don't think so. But jack-o'-lanterns. Um, but apropos to your remark that it's... it's um, the development of the holiday, this was an Irish idea, mm -hmm. the jack-o'-lantern, apparently. Which is why they emphasized the O in lantern. Oh, right. Yes. They, they, they made no, uh, no uh, lack of emphasis on the apostrophe in, in these descriptions of the holiday here. So did you ever do this? As Did you ever walk around as a little kid? Uh, I was not allowed to carry around a jack-o'-lantern. My parents would have considered that to be, I mean, carry it... That that's what strikes me as interesting here. The like, carrying of it, right? Yeah, like picking up the pumpkin and say, like, okay, I'm going out for the evening, carrying around it's sort of a like lit a pumpkin. No, you you could light the jack o' lantern. You could maybe move it around the yard a little, but you don't walk around with a lit. It's interesting that it, it you like I'm visualizing in our neighborhood like a procession of kids going up and down Downing Street and uh, Front Street. They would have fun. They would definitely have fun, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily want a bunch of kids walking around with a f small pumpkin torches in their hands. Well, one of the American poets who celebrated this kind of thing is John Greenleaf Whittier, whom I've quoted before, old English teacher that I am, and he was he in, he wrote something called the Pumpkin in 1850, which evokes what these boys in New Haven might have been doing, and he wrote. O fruit loved of boyhood, the old days recalling when wood grapes were purpling and brown nuts were falling, when wild, ugly faces we carved in its skin, glaring out through the dark with a candle within. The jack-o'-lantern. Kind of moves you, right? Sort of. <laughs> so, so, Jason, since you, will, you refuse to recall your, your own carrying of a jack-o'-lantern, well, you did not do that. No. Tell, tell us about... I've, I've carved plenty of jack-o'-lantern in my time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I but have carved them, uh, and they become, I guess, progressively more grotesque, perhaps. So now you can just put, like, these kits. You just, you just wrap it with some piece of paper. And Are you going to do like that a, this year? Uh, I don't use the kit. I just stick the knife in there and see what happens. Are you going to put it on your porch? Probably. My wife likes to do that also, but I feel there's something... Um, creepy about it personally just taking off my journalist hat it doesn't like it maybe maybe uh the faces bother me it's the kind of thing to it's i guess the idea is to scare away uh evil spirits or something mm -hmm. you you create a, a face that's more grotesque than the devils or something like that i'm not sure what the anthropology is of the jack-o'-lantern but there's got to be something nefarious about it <laughs> anyway <laughs> I, 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 I sermonize too much, but we often talk on this show, Jason, about the illumination of um, New Haven streets. And uh, when it's not Halloween, uh, something here in this piece that you brought in from the Saturday Chronicle is about um, a shift between um, oil and gas, oil lamps of old and the newfangled gas lamp. Yes, and this would be just, and what's interesting about this, because we've talked about uh, the gas lamps in the streets, 
We talked about oil lamps in the streets. We talked about the unfortunate gentleman who caught himself on fire. Because he was trying to clean his clothes <laughs> yes. with some naphtha that had fallen, yes. paraffin that had fallen out. And then out he played him. with the lantern and he got caught on fire. I guess he wouldn't want to play with a jack lantern either. Right. Uh, but this is interesting because it's angling towards the college students. Oh, right. And what was popular as far as illumination in their in their rooms. How how, the, how a Yale kid was studying yes. as late so, as 1908. So the, the kind of cutting edge in studying illumination for Yale in 1908. Right. They're not sitting there with these long-necked uh, t- desk lamps. Right. Right. So read, read the piece. It is It, it does evoke um, um, that situation. Incidental to the coming of the students is noted the brisk trade of the, quote, lamp man. And the students meaning Yale students. Yes, and students had returned back to oh, school. right, because it's October and the semester has begun. Exactly. Who sees to it that there shall be light in the rooms of the students. These vendors travel about with a coil of tubing over their shoulders and pockets stuffed full of the gas mantles. It was not so many years ago that the students spurned the use of gas entirely. And the room without the customary student's oil lamp lacked entirely the comforts of home. Mm, so they had the oil lamps at home mm-hmm. and they had it at Yale. It was an oil lamp or nothing to study by. When the gas mantle came into vogue, the students gradually dropped the oil lamp, which had been part of the Yale life since the beginning of the historic institution. Now that there are several men who make a living, a fine living that is, selling the gas equipments to the students. So this is a transitional moment where it seems like the majority have shifted already yes. to gas lamps. It's an interesting kind of, for one, you've got this commentary on, on the entrepreneurs of who go around and sell the gas lamps directly to the students, which sort of reminds me of like, I don't know, like... And I don't know if they still do this, but there used to be the guys who'd show up and just like sell you the posters for your walls. And be like, oh, here, here's the the cool poster to put up. And at your you college, know. they would knock yeah. on your dorm door. Not necessarily, but they'd have the sales, and they, it was always angled. And like when you think about it, it's like nobody else really does that sort of thing except no. for college students. So this is kind of that thing where these guys were just making their money at this point in the year, illuminating. The room. It's strange that the college students themselves had to pay for the gas lamps. I was going to say, which is weird, and it, it's it, that's weird that it wasn't provided. But then also just the idea of the institutional value of saying, you know, here we we have a tradition of using oil, and um, how long that probably took here in this land of steady habits for uh, for that to change to shift to to gas, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, you, you can only wonder what happened when they had a lamp to plug in the wall. So funny. You wonder if uh, if uh, the Yale College students, when did their dormitory have a mattress? <laughs> maybe there'd be a mattress salesman because the, yeah. the university, the college maybe provided only a frame. Yeah. Or they just had like a, a horsehair mat in the corner. Yeah. No, I love, uh, you know, I love... Uh, what hurricane lamps well that though those are not usually uh, it's hard to find a uh, um a gas lamp right a, a hurricane lanterns usually that you can buy for kind of atmosphere these days have a, a place for a candle yes 
It's hard or, to find. You know, and, and they would have a basic the kind of oil that you pour in and break right. there. But, yeah. You know what I found, which was interesting uh, in relation to this, that the whole business of um, what, what it was like to light up a room, uh, the steps that you would go through uh, dealing with um, uh, oil, oil lamps, I guess, um, uh, it comes through when this, this, some woman wrote a memoir on um, a history of lighting in New England. And she said, when I was a child growing up in the early 1900s, right around this time, we considered ourselves fortunate that our house had gas lighting. Very few working class households in the early 1900s did. But my grandmother on my mother's side, um, she, only, she only had uh, oil lamps and candles. And we lived on an estate that was regarded, was regarded as modern. And um, so she wrote in some letter that this woman is reprising that when daylight came, her grandmother would get up and she would check the wick mm -hmm. of the oil lamp. And then she would trim the wick off the charred top, which had burnt the top most part that had been burning. Right. She would use a specialized scissors. And the next she would top up the wick and then she would wash the globe with soap and water using a uh, wash leather and then polish it with a duster. And if there were any sooty smears left, she would polish it again and again. This was to make sure that the lamp uh, when lit would give out as much light as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because these things that are burning oil are smudging up, I guess, it, the... The uh, glass itself that would be globe, around it. Right. Yes, the globe. And, then, right. and not to mention uh, the ceiling right above it right and we switch on the light and don't think about right all the labor involved just and there and that was one of and even that's changing now here in 2016 uh with the uh increased uh popularity of led lighting now right because when you think about it, i had a discussion the other day about um actual room temperatures and they're like oh the room if you don't turn up the heat, it used to be that still if you had a bunch of lamps on, that would provide a little extra heat. But now with all these LED lights, the room just stays icy cold because modern light bulbs don't throw off that extra. They save energy, essentially, by not having that extra heat right. produced. <laughs> right. So it's just another kind of strange uh, version of of uh, the uh, the oil versus gas discussion, I guess. Jason. Perhaps perhaps people find it untraditional to have the new LED lighting today. Well, maybe one of these days the, we'll be lighting the city with jack-o'-lanterns again. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> Thank you for, for joining me, Jason, on um, when, with these illuminating stories from uh, 1908 on This Day in New Haven History. Thank you.